0: Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcasts of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. My name is Nick Milky, And I'm Steve Renaud. Steve, we're back. We are, what, three, maybe four weeks in a row trying to be consistent, trying to I'm do this. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> We've done so well. We deserve a cookie or So proud of us. Something, And maybe it's all this extra quarantine time at home is finally paying off.
1: <laughs> yeah that's what it is <laughs> uh, well we have
0: we have another guest this week this is also another record two weeks in a row with a guest I know. and i am very excited to welcome my friend chad gibbs to the podcast chad what's up hey guys happy to be here that is so great we're so glad you're here and there's a very specific reason that you're here and we're going to get to that as kind of the main topic of our show in a minute i did want to kind of say um i met chad gosh i don't even know how many years it's been now i haven't done the math on it but The short version of a really crazy story is I went to a conference in Portland, Oregon years and years and years ago. It's been at least eight years ago, if not more. And I went to this conference in Portland, Oregon. I met these people who are talking about football in the American South. And I started talking about this friend of mine. um, Actually, not a friend of mine. I was actually talking about this very much not a friend of mine. I was talking about Clay Travis's book, Dixieland Delight, which is about college football. And they were fascinated by this story and one of them said that sounds like our friend Chad's book. And I said, I don't know who Chad is. And they said, well, you should meet Chad. He lives in Alabama. (laughs) He wrote a book and it sounds a lot like this one you're talking about. And I said, okay, filed it away in the back of my head, flew home the next day to Montgomery. And that afternoon or that early that next morning, I went to Costco with my kids to pick up some stuff that we needed. And when I walked in the front door of Costco, there was a big trip or, easel with a big poster on it that said today at noon, signing his book, God in football, Chad Gibbs. And I thought, this is really weird, but I'm leaving and I'm coming back at noon because I'm clearly supposed to meet this guy or whatever. (laughs) Uh, So I came back at noon and this random stranger walked up to Chad's autograph table and said, okay, I have the weirdest story for you. And he was very kind, despite my probably seemingly crazy nature with a couple (gasps) couple of twins in a cart. Um, And he gave me his email address and said, hey, if you're ever in Auburn, we should catch up. And so I took him up on that and we went and had lunch and pretty quickly figured out that we have all these similar, you know, likes and loves. And one of those big ones was Star Wars. And um, Chad has actually also been the person who has gotten me into my Star Wars collecting or recollecting, as I sometimes call it. Um, Chad has an amazing Star Wars collection, vintage figures galore. Um, all kinds of crazy stuff. So we went to Star Wars Celebration together a couple of years ago, and we went to what was the convention in Atlanta that we went to? The Toy Convention.
2: Uh, Joe Lanta.
0: Joe Lanta, that's right. And it was a toy convention. We went and got some fun stuff over there. Chad also has an amazing GI Joe collection. So Steve, I don't know if you were a GI Joe kid. A
1: little bit, a little bit, but um, still, you can't be
0: toys. <laughs> he he has, and we may need to figure out a way, to maybe put some pictures on the Twitter feed um he has the flag which was the gi joe aircraft carrier
1: and oh yeah, yeah you were
0: telling me that and he <laughs>
1: also has this did you say he had java's
0: uh, barge? He, he does have a sail barge i believe it's still in a box is that right chad still in the box that <laughs> hasn't made its way out yet so chad is very cool but chad is also among many other things that makes him cool including being an auburn grad and fan um is Chad is an author, and Chad has written quite a few books that are really, really great. Um, and I'm going to get him to talk about that a little bit. At the- We certainly want to plug his books and the newest one, which I'm ashamed to say I haven't had a chance to read yet. Um, but, Chad, we're so glad you're here. And, uh, Steve, I know normally we jump into the news segment. Do you have any Star Wars news that
1: is on your radar this week? You know, we've been doing such a good job of recording weekly. There's very little news that we have not talked about the only two things that i really saw were john boyega uh said basically never again will i take part in the star a star war um but alden I aaron reich said that he is very open to reclaiming his role and and would be interested to see it uh not not only in you know on a motion screen but also uh you know in the streaming service and something like that so who knows we might get han solo too and and you uh we might post our solo review again, I've still really liked solo the movie. There are a few parts that kind of, kind of set me up a wall, but all in all it was a good film. And I thought he did a really good job in it. I wouldn't mind seeing him pick that role back up or do something with it. So uh, it's good to see that, that, that the fan base wasn't too toxic to him that he was willing to be like, yeah, I'll do that. So um, who knows? We might be seeing uh, some additional uh, solo work on uh disney streaming one
0: day i would i would totally be down for that and i will say um i think that he did such a great job and i agree with you and i didn't necessarily come in with any huge preconceived notions and i wasn't super down on the fact that oh this is this guy they picked i thought he did a great job i thought he did a good job of capturing that younger spirit of han that wasn't quite so beaten down you know after his entanglements with the huts or whatever it was i would honestly love to see some more of those continued storylines as much for some more chewbacca because i love Jonas and the work that he has done as chewbacca and taken over and i think i said this in that episode of the solo review that we did I, chewbacca has always just kind of been there for me but i really kind of grew to love him more because of the solo movie because we had i mean you have a younger guy playing chewbacca and we have a younger version of chewbacca and so he was athletic and it just felt like there was a lot more personality not that peter mayhew didn't do a great job but it just it really kind of reinvigorated that character for me and um and i really love that so i would love to see both of them in some continued journeys especially having this newer younger actor that still has the ability to step in and play that role i think that would be really great yeah but that's that's really
1: all the news that i think is to print that's out there right now
0: well we have we have one other small bit of news and I think it'll be maybe a little bit more relevant for Chad and myself um, mm-hmm. there is a little bit of toy news this week uh-huh. um, there were some black series figures that were released on actually I guess it was late last week and black the, series that's the uh the those are the top notch really the decent. six inch kind of higher detail um, they're usually about twenty dollars a piece or so um, they did a series of those for the end of the clone wars. And so that was a big one. Um, and then Chad, there was also the beginning of this week. Um, the announcement of the black series return of the Jedi set. Um, was it adventures on indoor indoor adventure, indoor attack? I forget what it's called.
2: Uh, I think heroes was in there. Right? Okay. Ind-
0: heroes of indoor maybe.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, it had Han. It had Leia and Luke. It had, was it Pat blue that they said, I forget I who guys- the,
2: That sounds right.
0: The Ewok, and then it had a speeder box. So that looks interesting. And then we were talking about this right before we went on air. The Galaxy's Edge Target Partnership has launched, actually, I think today, Tuesday. um, You have DJ Rex, who I think DJ Rex's big claim to fame is that he was the original Star Tours robot and pilot. Um, I think he now is the DJ inside the cantina at Galaxy's Edge. You have um, uh, Cardinal, I forget, is it General Card? Not General Cardinal. The Red Stormtrooper, yeah. somebody yeah. Cardinal, um, that I'm not familiar with, but my understanding is that maybe they're in the Captain Phasma novel and also the Black Spire Galaxy's Edge novel. There is, is there one other character? And then the big character is the Millennium Falcon the, the big Millennium Falcon, and by big, yes. it's $400. I don't see that one making its way into my collection unless some really, really crazy things happen. But I don't know if you had a chance to look at it or know anything about it. Is it the legacy one that was in, was it the early 2000s? Is it a yeah, remake of that
2: one? Yeah, I think it's just a basically like a reissue of, of that one in the, the vintage collection, in which, you know, you can't find those for less than six, seven, eight hundred dollars 800 on yeah. eBay. So, I mean, I, if you were just dying to get your hands on one, this is, you know, this would be your best <laughs> this, shot. This is
0: your little bit best shot. Um, and I think that that particular one, it comes with Hondo, who is a character that was in Rebels. It was a character that was in Clone Wars a little bit. Um, and I think he also is kind of one of the central figures with the smugglers run galaxy's edge ride. And so he's in there, there's a Chewbacca in there. Chewbacca appears to have a handful of porgs.
2: Porgs. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the part that I actually liked the most about that particular one was that you have the option of using the rectangular dish or the round dish. And so they give you both dishes for the top of the, the Falcon. So I appreciated that.
2: Yeah the um the hero the heroes of indoor sets the one that intrigues me because it looks like it's a convention set like mm-hmm. a, maybe Comic Con was supposed to be uh, and uh, so it'll go up on Hasbro pl- Pulse I'm assuming and it'll go really fast and I'll miss it and I'll be angry <laughs> but um, I, I think you know those particularly those three the Han Leia and uh, Loot figures like th- this isn't going to be the only chance you have to get those. They're going to come out in like the regular boxes and they're going to come out in the 40th anniversary return right. of the Jedi cards in two years. So if I miss it, I'm, I'm not going to kick myself too much because they're not that's not going to be the only place they try to sell those three figures. Well, sure. and,
0: and considering we haven't even gotten to the next big anniversary, which will be that 40th of Jedi, you know, yeah. like you said, they're going to rerun all of those things before we get there. So a little bit of toy news, a little bit of other, just kind of generic news. Steve, I know
1: today was actually the release day for the Doctor Afra audiobook. I so. know I've not started it yet. I'm trying. I, I need to get on to uh, the new Alphabet Squadron book first. That's my that's my to do list. Got got to keep those priorities going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and of course, I have a I have a, a guest with me as well right now. Leering that's over right. me.
0: That's right. It's nice. It's nice when a bonus guest pops in. Olivia. He's good say, good hello,
3: Hi, how are y'all? <laughs> are y'all doing well? Hello, Nick.
0: We are. It's so nice when the wives check in to make yes. sure we're behaving ourselves. <laughs> hello,
3: hello, Chad Gibbs. I don't believe I know you.
0: Hey, uh, nice to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you. See, look
0: at us, bringing people together through this podcast. It serves all kinds of purposes.
3: Yes, how wonderful. I think everyone on your podcast should know that I've known Nick the majority of my life.
0: Well, brother, here we go.
3: And he's older right. me.
0: It's your favorite thing to tell people is that I'm older than you. It does.
3: It
0: does. Speaking of it things that are right. old. Nick. Speaking it's of things that are anniversary old, That's, that's what we call a segue back. in the business. Ah, That's, that's what that brings way. us together this evening is it's the 40th anniversary and has been all this year of the Empire Strikes Back. And I don't, you know, not not always one to play the favorite child game. But Empire Strikes Back has been my favorite Star Wars movie for a very, very long time. And, you know, I'm an original trilogy kid. That's something that comes up when people try to claim, unfortunately, in the fandom, sometimes it gets ugly and people try to claim, you know, if you're younger, you're a prequel person. If you're, you know, my age, you're an original trilogy person. Or if you get, you know, I I love the sequel trilogy stuff. And again, all movies aren't without their flaws, but it's one of those things that. I've always been Empire Strikes Back, and I know Chad is a big Empire guy. Uh, we'll get into some of those reasons here in a little bit, and that was why I wanted to ask him to join us tonight. Um, but we're talking about Empire Strikes Back, and I've got some questions. I've got some things. Yes, ma'am, I feel like you want a question.
3: I have a question for you about <laughs> Star Wars. Please, do tell. Um, for, for those of you that don't know, I am I am not in the know when it comes to <laughs> Star Wars. Right. Um. But, Nick, it looks like to me that you are in a Star Wars closet. <laughs> um, and so can you tell the listeners a little bit about this space? It, it, it looks like it could have been your laundry room at one point, perhaps.
0: Mm. If, it was, if it were my laundry room, I would not be sweating because it would be air-conditioned right now. <laughs> I am actually in a sweet little corner of my garage. Um, this I, I, For those listening who don't know this, my guests and friends and co-hosts that are with me right now do know this. I live in a house with six women, my wife, my four daughters, and our dog. There is very little space in my home that is really kind of mine, and this particular corner of the garage is my little corner. And so it's where my Star Wars collectibles are. I have a desk that I sit at. Um, the funny thing about all this is, in order for me to get this shot that looks good on video... I'm actually sitting with my back turned to my desk with my computer perched on a stool. So I did this for y'all so that you could have this great background to look at.
2: (laughs) It Um, inspires us, Nick.
0: Well, I hope so. And I love, you know, my Star Wars collectibles. And a lot of these things are things that I either had as a kid or things that I wanted as a kid. Chad's on here because he has been a collector for a good long time. And he kind of inspired me to get back into collecting and finding some of those things that I like or missed out on or whatever. And I'm so, sure yeah, Olivia wants me to be inspired to be collecting as well. We can, we can help hook him up. We can set him yeah. up with how to do that.
3: As long uh, as he can keep it in your garage, Nick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll, have, we'll have to get back to you on that, but I'd be fine with that. We'll just turn it into a whole studio setup. That's right.
3: I'll nice let up. y'all go. I just wanted to say hello yeah. and make a little appearance on your
0: podcast. We're so glad you did. Come back anytime and we'll you. Nice maybe we'll do a, an episode. Nice me. to meet you. Maybe we'll do an episode where the wives all get together and talk about their knowledge of Star Wars. That would be a lot of fun.
3: That would be super unfortunate for
0: me. <laughs> awesome. So we are, we're talking about Empire Strikes Back. We are talking about this movie that was given to us 40 years ago and it's my favorite Star Wars movie. And I think the place that I want to start off with, and like I said, I kind of came up with some questions, some thoughts, some idea, you know, what is your, and this is to both of you, and I'll let Chad, our guest, go first. What is your origin story with Empire? Where did you see it first? How old were you? Do you have any memories from that time? I know we're kind of on that bubble age-wise of maybe not being quite old enough, but what's your Empire Strikes Back origin story?
2: Yeah, so I was... um, I was looking this up earlier today, trying to figure out exactly when Empire came out on VHS, because I was born in 77, right? so I did not go to the theater to see Empire when I was two and a half or whatever I was then, <laughs> um, but it looks like Empire didn't come out on VHS, at least for home video, until 84, Whoa. Okay? but it said that was because they held them out so long, so like rental places could make money for a couple years right um so i'm guessing it was 81-ish 82-ish somewhere in there uh which that jobs pretty well for like when i would have been wanting to watch it because i remember i remember getting my first three star wars figures from my uncle it was uh the luke x-wing r2d2 and c3po and i'm guessing they were empire issued okay uh i have no way to, to know or remember but um so that would have put it around eighty, eighty-one, and then we probably went and rented the original Star Wars. And I remember we would go to Bear Video in Gadsden and rent that thing <laughs> once a week and ask if Empire was out every time. And they're like, "No, it's not. No, it's not." Um, and then I remember, you know, I, I don't know when it would have been, but one day, yes, we have Empire Strikes Back now, and we got it, and that's when I saw it. We took it home and I watched it after I had watched new hope probably 40 times <laughs> if i had to guess uh because we would just rent it you know weekly basically uh and uh that would have been the first time i saw it um, nice i don't i can't give you the exact date but uh well, that's all right i don't know if bear video if i could find their records if they still have our <laughs> if they still have our card on file and i could figure it out but, uh, go
0: back and do a little digging
2: yeah it was on broad street in gadsden How uh, about that but um uh, that was that was the first time i saw it. We, we rented it um and then i saw jedi in theaters that was jedi was i can't remember if jedi or et was the first movie i saw in theaters it was, it was one of the two probably et and then we saw jedi okay
0: jedi. Well, well steve i don't want to call you out dramatically and use words like significantly but you are a little bit younger than chad and i i'm a we- wee bit younger you are a wee bit <laughs> younger what um what is your origin story and
1: situation with empire well, as uh, as one who was born in 1986, uh, a convention year, good year, um, so things had long been out, VHS has long been out, I went over to a sleepover party, uh, spent the night party at my friend's house, Beverage Moore, I think it was his birthday, and he had gotten the coveted Mortal Kombat original video game, so we were going to stay up and play that all night, but instead... Uh, there was, like, a special on TV that night, and they were showing, I think, all three back-to-back nice. um, or something like that. So I remember, like, catching the original Star Wars, like, halfway through and being very confused, but loving it. And then somebody who had already seen it was like, um, it ended, and then Empire came on. and I was like, oh, this is the next one. I was like, there's another one? <laughs> and so we ended up, like, watching just all – I think we ended up only being able to watch, like, the original and – um Empire. And then we were tuckered out. And I went home the next day and told my mom about this amazing movie. And she, of course, was the huge fan that she is. And so, like, later that day or something like that, she came home with the Return of the Jedi VHS for me to, so I could finish watching all three in like less than 24 hours. So, um, so it was uh, sitting at somebody's house at a spending night party that had nothing to do with Star Wars. But it was like one person knew about it. Nobody else knew about it. But we were immediately glued to our screen, um, to the TV, watching these on on television. So I probably watched that like 90, 91, 92, 93. Um, Got to sit down and watch that. So that it always has left a lasting impact on me. And it's my favorite one out of all the ones that have come out is Empire Strikes Back.
0: Well, it, it is also my favorite, and I think that's you know make makes it good for those of us that are talking here tonight. I kind of like Chad. I don't remember specifically the exact date. I was born in seventy eight, so I was not old enough at the time in nineteen eighty to have seen it when it was in the theaters. But what I very strongly remember, and it's interesting that you say that about it being released to video for rental or purchase, um, which. If I remember, that was kind of the beginning of that. And when videos came out like that for purchase, they were insanely expensive. And so it wasn't common for people to have videos, right?
2: Yes, that's the way I remember. And maybe even
0: Star Wars was a part of what helped change that. Lucas and Spielberg with things like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, I feel like actually maybe helped change some of that. But what I do remember, and this is what I'd need to do some deeper digging to find out is. I have very vivid memories that we had. I'm pretty sure it was even on Betamax. We had some beta tapes that someone had recorded the Star Wars movies from HBO. Because I very specifically remember that intro where the HBO logo would turn sideways. And you had those lines that curled around the O that kind of looked like you were going into hyperspace. And that's how I remember seeing these movies at the beginning when I first you know, kind of became aware of them. And so my dad liked them and I watched them with him. And so it is a very specific member to memory of seeing them recorded from HBO on some form or fashion. Um, but I don't know the time frame of that. So I don't know, would they have maybe made it to something like HBO prior to being in video stores? Or did those two things kind of go side by side? And um, I should have researched that more before this, but I didn't. So I saw them on video as well, as I got to be probably just a little bit older than when they came out. Probably three, four four heading into five somewhere in that area.
1: So no laser discs. So sad. Nobody No la- laser we <laughs> We're we're ahead of laserdiscs. We oh, all are we're, we're older than laser discs. Oh, y'all are. And, okay. We are Y'all are older than Laserdiscs. That's right. Is that we're younger I'm older. I, I think you're I, younger I, than Laserdiscs. I'm <laughs> I'm older
2: I'm older than VHS
0: tapes as well. So <laughs> yeah. but, <You> know,
2: <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned how expensive VHS tapes were. Like the the I remember like feeling like if you messed up a movie rental places video like your family went to debtor's prison (laughs) it was over yeah you were done you were bankrupt
0: yeah that was a big deal and it was a lot um you know just you know even the be kind rewind was very intimidating i actually just today (laughs) saw somebody post something about that on facebook and I remember hearing my dad you know, cussing in the car after we got halfway home from dropping a movie off from rental because he's pretty sure that he forgot to rewind it and he knew they were going to charge him next time.
2: Yeah, man, you go to rent another one and it's another one. Right. It's like a buck, It's another, it's another,
0: like another dollar. <laughs> you know, but then we reached those fancy days where you had a separate rewinder that was not your VCR, so you could put it in there and pop that bad boy down and it'd just knock it right out for you. <laughs> those, those were the good old days. None of this yes. let me watch it on my phone while I drive down the street nonsense. That's dangerous. <laughs> I don't would I would never. I don't know who would do that.
1: <laughs> um
0: well as we can think about Empire and how we came to see it, what are the what are the things that stand out for you so much in Empire? What are your favorite scenes? What are those like, you know, indelible images
2: that are burned into your mind? I mean, you know, for me it's, gosh, it's so different than the other two. Mm-hmm. Um yep. because You know, A New Hope and Jedi both are Tatooine Mm -hmm. and Death Star interior and Death Star exterior. I mean, at least with Jedi, you get you get the woods. But Empire, you've got Ice Planet and Swamp Planet. And then uh, you got Cloud City, which uh, I don't know if you guys have read the Chuck Klosterman sex, drugs and cocoa puffs. Uh -uh. But he's got a whole chapter on how Empire Strikes Back is like the, the movie that defines Generation X. Um, but he describes, uh, he describes uh, Cloud City as a mix between Las Vegas and Birmingham, Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of perfect. Um, so j- the visuals have always stuck out with me so much. Um, you know, I think the scene for me is, is, is you know, I'm, I'm a Lando guy. Mm-hmm. Nick knows this uh, is is them parking on Cloud City and, and Lando coming out the cape whipping in the wind like that's the most. One of the most iconic shots for me.
0: That, that's such a good one. And and I want to hit a couple of things on that. Um, I think visually you're right. Not only was the movie itself so different. We hear so many things, you know, constantly. We hear think pieces and we hear comparisons now. You know, I, I feel like I'm jabbing this needle in Steve every time we record a podcast. But is The Last Jedi, The Empire Strikes Back equivalent if Force Awakens and Star Wars are so similar? You know, because it's such a different tone. You didn't have the cheery, happy ending. You have that cliffhanger ending, and it's kind of a downer. You have all these different things that seem to set it so much apart because sequels weren't that big of a thing at that point either. And I think that's something else that sets it apart from a lot of these other movies, and that it's kind of got the ball rolling on way to actually be really good. And for me, You know, the thing that you said, the visuals of it all, you know, that scene where they do land on Cloud City before the specialized versions even was amazing. You have, again, the wind whipping around the the Snow Planet stuff to me blows my mind still for the technology they had at that point, for the things that they did. And I read something not too long ago that said George Lucas consciously made a decision to do a snow planet because it was mm-hmm. more challenging than just doing something out in space where it was black and you could hide things like he wanted. Yeah. yeah. To, he wanted the challenge. Yeah. He truly said, you know, and what we saw in star Wars was all this new equipment that they created. You know, he was changing things while not intentionally going, Ooh, I'm going to come in and change the film industry. That was just the way his mind worked in order to get the shots he wanted. He had to do that. But the idea of the snow planet, he said it's harder to hide things. And so,
1: they had that to take it. snow plows out to film that, but none of that was CG. None, I mean, they had to take trains out <laughs> with like massive plows on top of them so that they could even get out to. Well,
0: and, and if I'm correct on the scene, there's a great little anecdote or story where the scene when Luke is wandering through the storm after his, you know, after he's escaped from the Wampa's lair and he, <laughs> before he falls down there was a huge snor- snowstorm that had blown up where they were in mm-hmm. is it Finland. Um, and it was so bad that they were going to have to cancel the shoots. But instead Irving Kirshner set up in the lobby of the, in the hotel, lobby. Yep. <laughs> out the door and basically sent Mark Hamill out into the, out in front of the hotel. And they shot it from a distance with him walking towards the camera because this unexpected snowstorm and avalanche, but Yeah, so to me, those visuals, I think that's such a huge thing. The flying through Cloud City on their way to that landing pad. Um, My favorite, you know, visual image that I still can't get away from, and I'm pretty sure I want to end up with it tattooed on my body at some point, is that initial Luke and Vader lightsaber where they're backlit and they're on that platform, and it's just the two dark shadows and those two lightsabers crossing. You know, to yeah, to me, that is such an iconic image that mm-hmm. I just—that's when you say the words "Empire
1: <clears throat> Strikes Back," that's what pops up in my head. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the Hoth battle—I mean, it was really cool to see a land battle in mm-hmm. Star Wars. You know, it, and it had you know these traditional battle lines, and so it was a lot of things that you had like connection to, and and you know how we thought of this stuff, but it was also just brand new to me. The iconic scene is that those AT-ATs kind of coming into focus over the horizon. And and that was just dread, <laughs> seeing those things. Um, and uh, I mean, it was just that, the uh, Vader and his hyperbolic chamber with the helmet. And, and that was the first moment you're like, that's actually a person. That's There's the somebody in that, there. There's somebody in that thing. It's not just a robot. Um, and, and, you know, you look back on it, what an amazing thing, because if they had not done that little scene you would have been like, when he said, No, I am your father, you would have been like, Wait, he's a person? But because <laughs> of that small scene, it had it had already been implanted in you. He is he's a person or some sort of species. He's not just all robot, that's but right. that that scene, that sound, that sucking noise as the helmet comes down, that's <laughs> just I mean, you can even hear it in your own head right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
1: <clears throat> And
0: and, and it, a little attributed bit that I read about this today, one of my favorite things when I watch movies, and of course, I'm pretty sure the trivia section on IMDB is a lot like Wikipedia. Like if I wanted to go in there and just tell them, you know, this is what this means, I could. Uh, but there's a trivia tidbit in there that says the sound, when that hyperbaric chamber is either closing or opening, the sound that a used entire block of cells that Alcatraz. Alcatraz, yep. I, I think you and I read sl- the same
1: thing. <laughs> <ready for this. laughs> sl-
0: Slam shut as, again, Ben Burt. Like we need a whole separate episode for Burt. Yeah. Um. But but that's just those things. And you're re- and like you said, in my mind, all of a sudden I can hear the sound in the movie, but the association makes it
1: that much. Oh my God! Like it makes. Yes. Yeah. We should do a, a music and a sound episode one uh, for day. For sure. For sure. Um. So any anything with Yoda, I loved Yoda. I loved the subversion of Yoda. Um, the fact that you know you had this great warrior and this compact, small kind of comedic. He was great comedy relief. And then to just see a puppet, uh, you know, change to become something serious. Uh, and you realize, oh, my gosh, this is the most powerful, you know, Jedi ever. Uh, and I mean, all of that. And of course, the iconic uh, Cloud City um, lightsaber battle. Uh, I, I mean, almost every scene of Empire Strikes Back has its own iconic moment. And the uh, you know, just the humor, the choking of Admiral is it Admiral Hazel? Uh, yes. I mean just the the death of him is is so funny, but at the same time it's like horrific um or Captain Nita, that's it. Um and uh, so but uh I mean it's just the whole movie is just iconic. Um I, I mean you can you can spend you can spend three hours, you can spend longer talking about the movie than watching the movie <laughs> without question. Um, <laughs> Because, Without... I mean, there's not one moment that is not just like that's that's it. You know, the first youth of use of a synthesizer in the Star Wars movie was in the the magical cave or tree where he encounters Vader. And that was always terrifying as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was just it's just a phenomenal movie.
0: Well, and I went back another, I guess, the few pieces of research that I tried to do, you know, in preparation. And it's weird kind of a thing to go. It's my favorite movie literally of all time. Like I love a lot of movies. I love Star Wars very obviously, but like it is my favorite movie of all time. If somebody said, you can watch one more movie before you go, that's what I want to watch. Um and but as as I was starting to think, well, let's do a podcast about it, I kind of froze up for a minute, like, what do I say about this thing that I love this much? <laughs> um, but I looked up a Roger Ebert review because Roger Ebert can be notoriously, you know, difficult or hard on movies or whatever, and I wanted to see what were his thoughts? And I couldn't find anything that seemed to be from when it came out. What I found was something in the 90s, probably around the time of the special editions, where he talked about all three of them as a whole. And so he did. best one. You know, three. And the other thing that he talked about in there that he kind of gushed and went on about coming back to what you said, Steve, was Yoda. Like to him, Yoda was such a standout. And that he even said, he was like, you're watching it and you know it's a puppet. And it wasn't enough for George Lucas to just have a puppet, but you had a puppet that could express itself without even saying anything. Like, he didn't have to have lines of dialogue. And Luke heads to the tree to go into the cave and he looks back at Yoda and Yoda's looking at him like there's this whole range of emotions that are going through those little tiny bits of, again, the technology and the puppet. And, you know, credit to Frank Oz for that. But that was another one of those things that we just hadn't gotten <laughs> short of, you know,
1: Sesame Street on a Saturday morning. But this wasn't the same thing. It cracked me up. I was reading about um, it, uh, Irvin uh, Kushner was uh, directing the scenes with Luke and Yoda and kept on directing the puppet. And it, <laughs> and, they would, and, it and, and Frank Oz would have to be like, I'm down here. Uh, <laughs> and um, But but that just that immediately made me think of. um of mandalorian. of mandalorian and and then talking and trying to direct the puppet and <laughs> uh and it just and and once again that's a real practical effect right the the puppet and 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 they pulled it off there too they did um and um but you know i, I actually i remember a couple of things uh going back and, and reading it and and not remember from contemporaneously uh i've read before that george lucas thought that this was the was going to be the worst one, right. even though he had bankrolled it completely, couldn't get anybody to invest in it, um, and uh, got a lot of back end stuff on it. But uh, I mean, pretty much had you know took it out a loan, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I think it got repaid back in like three months, like yes. something ridiculous. It, yes, um, it was a combination of profits
0: from Star Wars and a bank loan, and the bank loan he had paid off in three months, and it was something like five times the return on what his yeah. investment was. And he had all these bonuses and all because his ultimate goal was to be independent of the studio system, which is what he wanted and star Wars didn't do it, but empire helped get him to the point where he could achieve that goal.
1: Oh yeah. And I mean, so, but you had, you had that. So Lucas, this was the one that Lucas had the, the least kind of anything. in cause he was just so burned out from the original star Wars he really kind of turned it over. It went over budget and I think he had to swoop in and there's a lot of editing and trying to fix it. And uh, I remember reading something one time that he said like he edited it to try to fix it and it, he just ended up making it worse. <laughs> and so I think there was a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation. There was not the sense of we got it. This is the best thing that's ever been made. And um, I was listening to another podcast we used to go through uh, like all the music and all the movies Mm -hmm. and they're talking about a music, uh, a review of the movie that was contemporaneous. And basically it just raked John Williams over the coals (laughs) for just uh, rehashing everything from the last movie. And you think about that, this is the movie that gives us, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hannah, the princess. This is the, um, the movie that gives us the Imperial March, Yoda's theme like you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, I think in retrospect, this is such a mom, mom, momentous film. But there's a lot of fear, clearly, in putting it out. There's not a lot of backing in putting it out. There was mixed reviews in some regards when it came out. But, I mean, it just, it had the staying power.
2: Well, you can, you know, you can see the, the why Investor might hesitate. Okay. You've got a blockbuster where the good guys just fail miserably (laughs) yeah you know pretty unheard of at that time i mean i guess now you have you know i haven't i haven't kept up with the marvel movies really close but from what i understand the the second to last avengers movie ends pretty abysmally too right but it's like you know it's it's got source material everyone knows kind of what's going to happen right is that
1: am i wrong there or is that
2: no, there's no, there's adventure.
1: a basic framework that yeah, it's gonna. I don't think it ended exactly how the comic books did. I'm not a huge comic book person, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a general sense that this has a this has a resolution. This is going to yeah. end well.
2: What What was the second to last? One? What was the name of that? that Infinity War. That was Infinity
1: War.
0: Yeah,
2: Infinity War. Yeah, like I don't like anyone went to Infinity War and was shocked that the bad, that the good guys lost. uh I feel like that was probably the outcome that people expected going into it, and then Endgame, they you know they knew it was going to come back. But I imagine Empire was pretty shocking to most people that saw it, uh, expecting another Star Wars movie, and you're like, wait, well, why did the good guy get frozen and the other one get his hand cut off, and this is horrible? And then you've got three years before you find out what happens. Uh, not not one year, three years. Yeah. It's like, I can, I can see the hesitancy of, of tossing up a lot of money for George Lucas to make this film. Well, and,
1: and remember, he was, he, he was not able to use a lot of writers or directors that he wanted to because he'd gotten in so much trouble for the opening crawl in <laughs> yes, the original Star Wars. <laughs> right. yeah. And I mean, it was just... And I know this sounds nuts because we, we've seen movies all now begin different ways, but there was a, a law in the writers and directors, you know, guilds of uh, of America, that that you had to give all the credit at the beginning to everybody who had worked on the the film or whatever, and to just start with the crawl and go right into the movie with having nothing. I mean that. I mean yeah. that blackballed Lucas and being able to use a lot of people in Hollywood. I mean he was having to to pull from people who were not union and you know it. I mean you if if you were putting this down on paper, this was a recipe. <laughs> For failure yeah. having to take out your own money not able to use uh directors and writers that are in you i mean it was just but but it ended up making one of the greatest uh films of all time
2: i wonder if there's a like a youtube version of of a new hope where people have put credits over the first five minutes they later <laughs> and it's just full you know the whole uh where they capture of I would say the whole beginning of that full, movie. Yes, the whole capture is just
0: full of credits, Ca- <laughs> casting directors, and you know, as, as the doors blowing open, it's you know, Directors Guild of America or this, this know, may
2: be our opportunity for. A I would say video. this is
0: our chance right here to go for it. What about um, what about other scenes? Just kind of you know throwing stuff out. There's so many crazy things that happen in this movie. Fun things. Um, I, I think we don't do it justice if we don't. Give credit to Will Row Hood, the ice, the, the ice cream maker man. <laughs> that thing was makes, full of Beskar. It was clearly that Camtono that we now know it has a name. You know, there's even a, and I haven't gotten it yet. It's on my list of things that you could get, but there was a San Diego Comic-Con carded figure of Will Row Hood that was released yes. several, several years ago that I'd like to get one day. Um, but, you know, there's fun stuff like that. There's, you know, I love the Millennium Falcon, and if you told me I could have one ship from Star Wars, that's what <laughs> I'd pick. But real close behind it is that snow speeder from the Hoss scenes. That's such a great ship. Slave one gets so much run. We get Boba Fett in this. like, what are some more of the, again, we can just free, free for all pepper it out there. What are the things for you that stand out? Not uh, Just any of it.
1: As a
2: kid, the, uh, the space worm. Yeah. That they were inside of really stuck out <laughs> in a scary way. Like it freaked yeah, you out. It terrified me out. terrified Um, You know, we talked about Luke going into the cave, that. That that was a big one for me. Yeah, and I'm still not even really sure I understand it completely. (laughs) Well, and and I
0: don't think I, I think it was like in college when I figured out that was his face in that helmet. Like there was always that part of me, like something was bad and we knew it wasn't really him. He saw it. It was a vision. I got some of that, but especially like the older non-specialized versions you know there was a lot more smoke and it was a lot harder to see like what is uh-huh. what is something in there and it's not good and it scared the crap out of him but yeah that that was the terrifying part for
1: me no doubt well in the original releases of the vader and that the breathing was different and i think mm-hmm. that still is held over the lightsaber was was not red it was like orange uh it was supposed to it was supposed to communicate whether it did or not that this is not really vader sure um but but yeah, that one has always been a confusing scene to a lot of people. <laughs> um, but of course I mean to me it always means like because you know, he's going into that that space that is, you know, steeped in the dark force. Um, and and Yoda says, Don't take your weapons with you. And basically what it's it's showing is, and, and it's interesting, uh, Chad, I don't know if you know this, I'm United Methodist pastor. Um, but I was uh doing, getting ready for evening prayer uh and it was came over the the piece of scripture where those who live by the sword will die by it. Um, and to me, it's that kind of living out that the force and being a Jedi is not just taking a lightsaber and just annihilating everything. Right. Um, it's, it's something a lot more. And so anyway, to me, that scene is just, it's very iconic. And uh, they did a really cool thing with that, with the force unleashed with a uh, Starkiller going and going through the same cave uh mm-hmm. really really neat scene so um anyway that's i need to stop talking about every one of my this is a this is a change for me nick because normally apparently i've become the curmudgeon of the show no of, no no of, of no. what's no. wrong and but but this is uh this is the difference because i i, I think that
0: this is a perfect movie that's um, right no 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 bad hits here and i do a bad job of painting you as the curmudgeon so we both have to you know no we, we, li- we
2: live it to our <laughs> rules it's who we are so here we are a, um the yes. uh go ahead the slice. the slicing open of the Tonton. Yes. on slices that sticks out in my mind a lot like i think about that a lot uh anytime i cook or, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> or watch the uh that
1: was based off of uh the, the same story from the revenant right slicing yes. up yeah so and the bear and the bear yeah so mm-hmm. with the wampum yep. i mean that's really was lifted from that
0: that that's kind of amazing. story Um, Which is a very Lucas, you know, that was his deal. And that was where he pulled his inspiration from. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. And another thing that I love in this movie so much, we get some of the Han humor in Star Wars. But the Han humor that we get in Empire is much more of like that sardonic, life's worn me out. I kind of don't give a crap. But at the same time, I still do. You know when they're trying to get out of the Echo Base, and you know, and I'll, every time the Falcon doesn't work, and that look on his face of just oh, cre- yeah. crestfallen and defeat. Would it help if I got out <laughs> and pushed? It might. You know, all those little you know things. um But the same thing, like when they clamp themselves to the side of the Star Destroyer and they hide, and you see this developing relationship with Han. You, you know, you have your moments. You know, there's not a lot of them, or whatever she says. Yeah. But, you know, as I saw that and then that was like, that's so great. That's so freaking cool. But that that version of Han, you know, I really like. And, you know, even, you know, when they torture him on Bespin and they bring him back to the room and drop him on the floor and he says they didn't even ask me any questions like it, it. That wasn't meant to be funny. I don't think he's being silly, but it's just a different like Han really, to me, developed and fleshed out in this even more than in the first one. Which is so interesting because at that point he was ready to be done, and the whole yeah. the whole part of you know Lucas freezing him in carbonite was that he wasn't sure he could get him back for another one because Harrison Ford has famously he wanted to be done. He thought he had done his part, so let this be his sacrifice. Um, but just the development of
1: Han as a character in Empire to me is so great. I don't think Han would be as popular uh, if they, if he had died in the original Star Wars. Right. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I think that you fall in love with that character in Empire, and he gets away with what he gets away, to, you know, doing uh, little smirks, the shrugs, and Return <laughs> of the Jedi, because you, you fell in love with That's him. right. You're like, yeah, and, he's uh, my scoundrel. I'm down. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have to bring this up, because
0: it's a key part of not only, but also a part of our guest, Chad Gibbs, Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Chad, mm-hmm. talk
2: to us about Lando. <laughs> you know, I I don't know what my deal with Lando is. He's just he's just always been my favorite character. Um it's hard to put in words. It's like it's like you were saying earlier, oh gosh, I gotta talk about this. Yeah. Um but um you know, he's way different than than any other character. Um you're you're not necessarily sure he's a good guy at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he does, and I get you know. trick my wife gives me a hard time about. She's like, he's not a good guy. I told him, <laughs> I'm like, he blew the Death Star. Up. He's a good guy. Um, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't I'm having trouble putting it into words. Nick. That's okay, um, and, and
1: I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna make you twist too long. So, I may, but, I, I may go look at my shell So that's <laughs> right. So, so really Chad, obsessed. did you think uh, Donald Glover did justice to Lando in
2: uh, in Solo? Yeah, I really liked Donald Glover in Solo. Um I thought he was fun. I, I thought the whole movie was fun. That's that's the word I always came back to when I talked about Solo. They're like great. it's not it's not empire for me, but it was I, it was, you know, 2 hours of fun and mm-hmm. I thought Don Glover was fun. I thought I thought um the whole cast was fun. It was um but um you know, I'd love to see him as as Lando again. Um like you were talking about earlier like if there was something on Disney or there was a chance for him to come back that'd be fantastic um i would love to see billy d as lando again i don't really care what um i'll say this i was
0: really and this is such a not judgmental that's not the right word but um we've seen billy d a time or two over the years in interviews over you know as time has gone on and he's gotten older and he's maybe lost a step or whatever when we went to Celebration, Chad went and got to meet him and get his picture taken, get an autograph, which was great. Um, and I believe your T-shirt said, Lando's a man, not a system. Is that right? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and, and so it was great. And, and again, the fact that y'all had that moment. But I wasn't sure what to expect knowing that he was going to be in Rise of Skywalker and how that was going to go. And to be perfectly honest, I was thrilled like.
2: Oh, he turns it on. Man. He did. Like, like yeah, just like that, on... he flipped a switch
0: because I think so he... he's on. I mean, talk I'm about sorry, when, you were, when you were there, we were at Celebration, and you just kind of said, he was just kind of like, hey, picture, move on. Yeah, you know, it was rinse was... and repeat. It was very standard.
2: No, there wasn't much to it. I was like, it's great to meet you, Mr. Williams. And he's just kinda like, yes. you know, <laughs> kind of like, yes. And, uh, and he's on Cameo now, and you watch the videos he sends people. Like, you can watch the uh, – some of the ones that are posted and you're like, yeah, there's not a lot to them, That's but, right. uh Boy, he's got a switch, but he, he turned it on, on and it was great. The cameras on. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was just the first scene where he, uh, where he comes and sort of rescues them mm-hmm. and uh, takes that up. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's still got it. He can, he can do this. Um,
0: I was very pleasantly surprised with how that turned out. Cause
2: like I said, I just, I didn't know what to
0: expect. I thought, are we trying to shoehorn in another, old guy who can't move around that much because we want to get a little bit more fan favoritism or whatever, which I didn't, you know, I didn't want that to be the case, but it really was fun. It was really such a fun way for them to do that. And I thought he did a great job.
1: And that reminds me, Lando, it's a man, not a system. That was a rewrite. That was a rewrite from Carrie Fisher, late, great Carrie Fisher, who script doctored the script. Um, See, Nick, you know what I was, I was going to say, you know what we should have done is I was and we might still do this, but it's it would take time. That's okay. I was thinking that instead of doing this, although this is fun, that (laughs) it would be great. It would be great if we did a commentary. So we invited people to turn on Empire Strikes Back and we simultaneously watched it. (laughs) And we gave our commentary as people who had a lot to do with the making of that (laughs) film. (laughs) Yeah.
0: um, (laughs) I mean, our opinions that people value the most of all. I'm yeah. 100% down for this idea. But
1: but I was like, gosh, that would, that would take so long to do. <laughs> and it's just like you have to match up everything. But but there's just, you know, Leia in this movie, you know, she's not the helpless princess. Anymore. That's right. She's now this, you know. And- she's a general. We see her in Echo Base
0: leading people, telling people what to do. And these even the older, you know, and for a generational aspect, if I can even bring that in. You know, you see these older male commanders and people coming to her saying, what do we do? And she's bossing them around, not bossing them around, but giving orders in charge. and She has fully stepped out of who she was in Star Wars as the still play in both sides. We've been captured to it's all out there now. I'm in charge of this rebellion. I'm leading this rebellion. And, you know, we really see her come into, honestly, who I think General Organa has been from empire on forward yeah
1: if it wasn't for empire her opening scene in return of the jedi would have made no sense right because but but she'd become who she was and it was not you know it was shocking when she took her helmet off but it was like that's totally she would have like done that that's right so yeah it made perfect sense um
0: are there any favorite quotes? I know we're—I don't want to—you know—we're not going to drag out all night, but I do have a few more questions and ideas and thoughts. But what are quotes that you have from this movie that stand out? Uh, most of them are probably Yoda, because Yoda's the—you know—the quote machine, and this is our first shot at Yoda. So we get "Do or do not. There is no try." We I only don't... have
1: one, and it's from Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. Well, I did it the other night when we were doing the force, but it's size matters not. Look at me, judge me by my size, do you? Mm-hmm. And well, you should not, for my ally is the force and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us, and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you, here between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. That lu- that luminous beings are we is the I think one of the most beautiful just statements in all of Star Wars.
0: I love it. And so does that. And this is circles us back to that Force episode we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, this is surely the biggest introduction explanation of the Force we got. We had
1: no idea through, what through the. the Force I mean, was. we got
0: the tiny bit that Obi Wan gave to Luke in the hey here, you know, fight a fight a training ball in the Falcon as we fly and
1: run Luke run what else have we gotten beyond that this was our deep dive into the force and it delivered um you know it wasn't until the wampum cave that we realized holy cow you can move stuff with the force. <laughs> and then and then the scene where Vader starts moving like air conditioners or whatever he's doing <laughs> in Cloud <laughs> City and you're like, Oh, he can do it too. That's right. right. He's th- he's throwing ice makers at Luke as they're fighting through that building. Yeah. So no, this was the deep dive into what is the force and it and it delivered, knocked it out of the park. You know, do you know everything? No. no. But you definitely had you had some things filled in that you didn't even know you needed filled in. Uh but anyway. Yoda, yeah, the most quot- sure. quotable character in full time. It,
0: it, it's hard not to, and not to steal any thunder from Chad, because there's probably some other ones, but it's hard not to have a little bit of, hello, what have we here? <laughs> yeah. I love that one. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's classic, and that's a terrible impression, and I don't do impressions, but that's all I've
2: got.
1: Try to use that quote in real life. It
2: will not <laughs> <What> <laughs> But also, like, where... Where did he think he was going to go with that? Like he—he he knows he's already sold them out. Like Correct. This probably isn't going to work between them. These yeah, two there's
0: not a future here.
2: But it's, it's you know it's so it's, it's so human of him. He tries it anyway. That's and right. The bravado. Go the bravado. That's that cult forty-five bravado. That's what. He's that's what he that. was. That's what
0: the. I was that, trying that. to remember which one it was. And
2: well, and Lobot is standing right there. <laughs> and,
0: and we have to think that in his binary bot. Bi- by whatever circuits he's just going really again not another one (laughs) what um and this is just kind of an overall and again we could do a whole separate you know episode about this and we're not going to try not to why does empire resonate so much not only for fans of you know chad and i's age your age steve but younger fans you know as a general rule, if you polled, and of course, there's no science on this at all. I'm about to just make some stuff up. If you polled 100 people and said, what is your favorite Star Wars movie across a wide range of ages? I'd surely think you'd end up more than half would say Empire Strikes Back. Like, what is it about this movie that resonates the way it does? That we haven't said already. I, I You know, I'm not trying to retread all this ground, but
1: well, I, I think, you know, I'm sorry, Chad, you go first.
2: Oh, um, you know, I feel like it just—it almost rings true to life more than than some of the others, just because it—it it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, and life doesn't always go the way you think it goes. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes the good guys lose. I, it, you know, I think in a weird way it ends more hopeful than a new hope. Like you, you're like, okay, we're we're regrouping here. We we, we got to catch our breath, and we're going to go <laughs> find Han, and then we're going to figure out what to do with Darth Vader. But, um. You know, I don't know. In a, in a weird way, it 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 feels more real because it it ends the way it does, and, and the and the good guys lose. Uh, I think that. And I think for gosh, for most people, that was at least for people my age, that was sort of your first sort of jolt of that of like, oh gosh, good. The good doesn't always win. You, sometimes you have to come back and regroup and and figure things out. But I don't know. In uh, you know, I hope you. Maybe not you, Steve, because you, you're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're, you're a total millennial born in 1986, but uh, Klosterman's, his, his essay on it being the perfect Gen X movie. I think, Nick, you need to go read I that. I definitely want to read that. I'm just going to read, I'm going to read you one paragraph. Yes, here. please. It's perfect. This is, he's talking about the case being made that Luke Skywalker was the original Gen Xer. For one thing, he's incessantly whining. <laughs> I didn't say it. I was going to say it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> For another, he was exhaustively educated via Yoda about things that had little practical value, i.e. how to stand on one's head while lifting a rock. <laughs> Essentially, Luke went to the University of Dagobah with a major in Buddha, Buddhist philosophy and a minor in phys ed. <laughs> and as a, as a philosophy major, th- this rings very true to me. Be nice. Oh, well, I, I, too, a
1: philosophy major. And, yes, it helps you out with so many life skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think for me, first, uh, the I think the success of Empire is because of the success of of a new hope of Star Wars, we were invested in these characters. We knew who, we knew who they were, and that allowed them to kind of go off into the, their diverse places, um, and and that was great. Uh, and so we, you know, we were invested in these characters. Um, this movie did a great job of answering mysteries that were brought up by the first movie, while creating new mysteries that uh and it allowed us to kind of spin and think without it kind of being and, and Nick and I have talked about this before Chad uh the mystery boxification of of narrative. Um so I mean we we learned a lot of things, right, about the force, but that generated new questions in and of themselves, right? Uh, can Obi-Wan do stuff, right, as a force ghost? Uh can I mean there was just a, a whole bunch of, of stuff that was just kind of generated from this. The movie had really good pacing. You moved from from you know Hoth to to the asteroid field to Dagobah to Cloud City, like you just it it just moved very well together, and it really is never draggy, in my opinion. Uh, and it just kind of cuts back and forth between Luke and Yoda and and Han Chewie and Leia. Um, it's a very clear story. Uh, I mean, this whole story is escaping the Empire from Hoth, right mm-hmm. and the trajectory of trying to get out of that battle uh and regroup with the rebel alliance in the armada at the end of the um and so it's just the, i mean it's it's, a, it's an escape story for lack of a better thing and and our characters go on side adventures as they try to to get out um and of course it has the greatest plot twist of all time <laughs> um <laughs> And and it's one of those things like it and it kind of goes back to, um, you know, mystery for mystery's sake to me is kind of annoying, and plot twists for plot twists sake, you know, twists for twist sakes are kind of annoying, uh, but this sets up, um, and and I think Chad, you, you put it so so correctly and succinctly, you know, when they're standing out looking at the the galaxy at the end, as the Falcon goes away, you know. So much has changed, right? And it sets up, but yet they're hopeful, but they're defeated. Uh, Luke is dealing with the question of, you know, is this true? Uh, James Earl Jones even said, you know, he didn't think it was true until he read uh, Return of the Jedi.
3: Um,
1: (laughs) And then they had to actually add the scene in there where Yoda confirms that Vader is Luke's father because so many people are like, nah, he's not really the father. You know, he's just said that to mess with him. (laughs) Right. But uh, so, I mean, even when you have the twist, Right, because they had set up such an amazing villain, nobody believed the twist or or mm-hmm. you know there's a pop a, a subset of the population that didn't believe the twist because of course Vader would lie to try to throw Luke off of this game um, and so I mean it was just it was just it was beautifully done. it built off of what came before it, and um, you know it's uh, I think sometimes sequels try to kind of show how they're better than what came before um to kind of do it bigger better faster right and i think this was just a good natural progression from what was before well and and
0: i and i and i want to come to that because that's going to lead us into kind of what i hope is not i hope but what i think will be our you know kind of closing question as we start to wind down but before we get to that one thing we really haven't said that much about But if you think about, like, who has gotten more run out of a shorter amount of screen time or lines or anything else, we've got Boba Fett. Like for Boba Fett, for the Mandalorian, for all the things that it has spun off and and created, like, that was such a crazy thing. And I know we've talked about this and, you know, people got worked up about. Gwendolyn Christie being Captain Phasma and not ever really getting a helmet off. And like, why bother putting some, an actor that we know from game of Thrones like that in this character, but it lends itself to like that Boba Fett thing. Like he was in a couple of scenes and he like, you know, no disintegrations as you wish, like that was it. But it became this crazy thing that has spawned series. I I just, I want to hear y'all's thoughts about that
1: for sure. Well, it was, I mean, IG eighty eight, Dengar, all these people. It'll it'll the, the movie answered things, but it allowed you to be creative and play mm-hmm. in the in the galaxy too. And 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 that was that organic thing. I think the issue I had, and I think a lot of people had with Gwendolyn Christie, well not with Gwendolyn Christie, but with Phasma is it was an unorganic attempt right to recreate that. Right. Um and you know it it's kind of being you know pointed at and say dream about this you know be creative <laughs> about this and it's just not going to happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, you know, I, I think it's just the armor. It, it's just he's just a cool. He was just cool, dude. and that was it. <laughs> yes. it was he just, just there was a yes. cool factor to Boba Fett. Uh, if he had talked more, he would have been way less cool. And the and, toys, and the toys really
0: drove his story too. No doubt. Yeah, you're gonna get the rocket launcher. No wait, sorry, we can't do the rocket launcher. <laughs> and you know, but but I think that's it. And I think that's such an interesting. You know, the toys have their own sorted history. If you go back to, you know, Star Wars and the pre-release and here, buy this certificate, we'll send them to you after Christmas, and all these other things that they did over the course of Star Wars and toys and marketing and all that. But like, a lot of Bob Fed is they had no idea that it was going to do that. That it was going to turn into this. Yeah, and that's what cult figures are, and cult movies, and you know all these different things. But like, yeah, he was just cool. Like that was the bottom line. He was cool. IG88's cool, yeah. but it was something bolted to the floor in the top of that Star Destroyer set, and they couldn't do anything <laughs> with it. At least this one could walk around and show up on Cloud City. Um, so it, it's very much a circumstance thing. But it's just one of those. That's what's so great about this universe is. <laughs> It can be this crazy thing that, yeah, this one guy that really didn't say anything and has kind of a terrible death in Return of the Jedi. But here he is, cult figure. Everybody yeah. loves him. Yeah, you, you can't create cult figures. I mean, Absolutely it's just, not. If, if you could, people would do it all the time. <laughs> they try. But... They, they try and it fails spectacularly most of the time. Well, well, here's my question for you as we kind of attempt to land this, because I could go for three more hours, but we're not going to subject anybody to that. Commentary. that's right that's the next step is this and this we're just getting into personal opinion time at this point is this the best movie sequel of all time and again we talked about up top it was groundbreaking to be a sequel there were some sequels I'm not going to say this was the first sequel but this has to be on the front leading edge of sequels that were good potentially better than the you know movie they succeeded where, where are y'all with Empire as a sequel compared to other things? We've got lots of examples out there. You've got Godfather. You've got Aliens. You've got Indiana Jones. It's not Temple of Doom, but it might be Last Crusade. There's there's a lot out there. Where do y'all stand on Empire as a sequel?
2: Well, I mean, I have Empire as, as the number one movie of all time, so I have to have it as the number one <laughs> sequel of all time. Fair, fair right enough, like, and, I, and I'm right no there with you. Uh, You know, The Godfather 2 is great. It's like half prequel, though. Mm -hmm. And to me, the prequel part is the more interesting part than the sequel part. Uh, And it's like 15 hours long. (laughs) Like, you don't just sit down. Like, if if, if I sit down and and we're in Dagobah, and it's on TNT or whatever, I'm probably going to watch the rest of it. that's not happening with the god no it's not especially
0: especially if you fall into that super cut that's one and two run together then you're way in trouble yeah
2: yeah. no one has that amount of time (laughs) but uh but no i think just by default i have to have it as the the best sequel of all time um i'm i'm
0: right there with you i'm lockstep with you on that it's my favorite movie of all time it's also my favorite sequel of all time i think there are plenty of arguments you know for other sequels that are fantastic and can
1: be great steve what about you uh, to me, there are three of the most amazing sequels ever. There's Godfather Part Two, there's T Two Terminator. Uh, okay, that to me that was just that built so well off of, in the world, right? Uh, so both of those Godfather and Terminator, they did such a good job of taking what they had and and doing it so much better, uh, and and letting fans kind of expand into a new part of it. But at the end of the day, Empire Strikes Back, greatest. I agree with y'all. Not only is it the greatest sequel, I think it's the greatest movie. I in my opinion, when you go back, you know, when you go back and watch A New Hope, which is a beautiful movie and it's kicked this whole thing off, Empire Strikes Back has better pacing, better character development. I mean, just Empire Strikes Back is a better movie than um than all of that. Uh well, So, that's just well, me, and, but you know, well, I probably get hard and feathered on our group. <laughs> No, that's fine.
0: And this is my follow-up question. It actually goes to something that I saw, I think, yesterday on Twitter. Um, shout out to Peter at the Around the Galaxy podcast. I think he was the one that put up the question about a perfect movie. What is, what is, in your opinion, a perfect movie? There's not one single note that needs to be changed. Does Empire fit that criteria? The response I gave was Raiders of the Lost Ark. To me, that is a perfect movie. There's not a note in that movie that I would change. I've never once sat down and thought critically. Oh, there's, I wish they hadn't done whatever. I think empire's it's like one, a one B, maybe, but does empire hit that note for y'all as a perfect movie? There's not a note that needs to be changed.
2: There's nothing I would change. I mean, (laughs) I'm not bold enough to, uh, maybe, maybe a little more Lando. Well, (laughs) fair (laughs) enough. Fair enough. (laughs) But no, it's, uh, yeah, it's um you know, with 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 the other ones with, with New Hope and Return of the Jedi, I can be I can get a little more nitpicky, sure. but there's nothing I there's nothing I can think of that I would you know or skin late, but still <laughs> <laughs> Ask me tomorrow morning, I probably still wouldn't change anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Well,
0: gentlemen, this has been fantastic and I'm so glad that we have taken a little bit of time to talk about i'm glad y'all came over to talk about my favorite movie of all time it was nice that it happens to be right up there for y'all as well um chad i want you to tell us just real quick about some of your books what you've got out i know you had one come out in march um tell it tell our listeners and just tell us about your books if you would
2: yeah um we've got a couple of uh, i guess you'd call them sort of like christian travel books uh god and football where i went to a bunch of football games in the southeastern conference and then uh, jesus without borders uh went to about 13 different countries and wrote about Christian culture around the world. And then uh got two novels out in the last couple of years. Um Two Like Me and You and The Rome of Fall. Um and you can find all of those Amazon or any, you know, online retailer, your your local indie bookstore and get them for you. So uh, or chatalengs and you can find them from there. Absolutely. They are
0: fantastic. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I am woefully behind and I have not read the Roma, F- fall. That's right. That, that's I have, it. Yeah. I have not read Roma fall yet, but I have read two like me and you. My wife read it. We gave it to my mother-in-law and my mother-in-law still to this day on about a bi weekly basis. will call and go, why haven't they made that into a movie yet? It's so good. It needs to be a movie. She's telling me who should be in it. It's a, fan- <laughs> it's a great, great book. I read it literally in a day. We went to the lake last summer. I think it was. And I read it all on a Saturday. It's a great, great book. It's so fun. I love the way you write, um, and I hope that any of our listeners that are interested will check those out for sure um, Steve, anything else any shout outs any conclusion concluding points you've got for us Is no I
1: I, I I like it I would like it to be noted that I did not say one negative thing through this whole podcast uh, <laughs> we're so breaking We're breaking records left and right i was son. I was I had no negativity but. <laughs> uh Chad it was nice to get to meet you We look forward to uh looking at uh, we'll try to link your page to in our comments section and stuff like that so folks can find you a little bit easier and um, and uh view your work and uh uh Nick thanks for getting our um, our Twitter feed going you can find us at wills pod uh, of course we have our facebook page as well and uh please start rating and reviewing us uh iTunes and wherever you're listening this will help uh kind of get us out. Uh, to more people and find us uh, a little bit easier as uh, we try to, uh, to expand out into this galaxy about why Star Wars is amazing. And uh, who knows, we might do a commentary. And if you want to do anything uh, with us, uh, come be a guest. Uh, Please leave us a message on our anchor page. Also tell us why you love Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Feel free to hit us up on our anchor page, leave us a voicemail as well. And uh, special thanks to Lucasfilm and, George Lucas himself, and all those that were involved with uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, giving us this beautiful movie. And uh, for Disney, for uh, carrying the torch and bringing it to where we can live stream it, right to where we can stream it right onto our televisions. And it's just a, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And uh, may the Force be with us, always. Always.